Welcome to Lorica, the podcast of Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. St. Patrick's is a parish in the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America, serving the Western Rite. Father Patrick is also the administrator of the Orthodox West. Our lesson this morning comes from the first epistle of St. Peter in chapter 3, beginning at verse 8. At the beginning of the chapter, Peter gives us instructions, instructions to wives and husbands on how they are to treat one another. To wives, he says, adorn yourselves with the beauty of reverent conduct in the inner person by way of a gentle and tranquil spirit. Then he says to them, even if you have a husband who is not obedient to the word, win him over by the way you live. He goes on to say to the husbands, in the same way, be considerate towards your wife and treat her with honor as a fellow heir. And then he adds that very interesting caveat at the end of this section, so that nothing may hinder your prayers. I've often thought about that admonition when I pray And sometimes I feel like, I'm sure you can relate, sometimes I feel like my prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. I ask myself, remembering this verse, if I have not treated my wife with consideration and honor. Maybe that's why my prayers seem to be falling flat and have no power. And sometimes, unfortunately, that is the case. When St. Peter says to the husband, Husbands, in the same way, treat your wives. I think what he means by in the same way, I think he's referring to the instruction that he just gave to the wife to, quote, adorn her inner person of the heart with the lasting beauty of a gentle and tranquil spirit, which is precious in God's sight. What a beautiful phrase. What a noble ideal for which we are all to strive in our relationships with one another to adorn our inner person of the heart with the lasting beauty of a gentle and tranquil spirit which is precious in God's sight. Our lesson this morning picks up in the very next verse in which he sums up this whole admonition by saying, finally. All that being said, therefore, finally, be harmonious, sympathetic, affectionate, compassionate, and humble. That's my theme this morning. The importance and value of a gentle and tranquil spirit among the brethren. That we must always strive for peace in our inner man. Fine, you say. That's very nice, of course. But we might as well have a sermon on the importance of brushing one's teeth. I mean, it's just obvious and simplistic isn't it? But I don't think that we really grasp how important it is for us to do whatever it takes to maintain and guard inner peace through a tranquil and gentle spirit. A gentle and tranquil spirit is not a personality trait. 
which some have and others don't. That's not what St. Peter is saying here. This is a Christian virtue which we are all admonished to live in. It is, in fact, as he goes on to explain in a few verses after this, it is righteousness. And, he says, it is necessary. It is the necessary condition if our prayers are going to be heard by God. Peter goes on in our epistle this morning to quote Psalm 34. He says, the one who wants to love life, or who desires to love life, as it actually reads, and to see good days, must seek peace and pursue it. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to love life, and I want to see good days. If we want to love life and see good days, we must be committed to maintain inner peace through a gentle and tranquil spirit. We must not engage in things that are going to disturb that peace. Now, it's not a matter of just avoiding doing things that trouble our tranquility. We also have to actively guard it. We are, in fact, engaged in a war to maintain peace in this life. There are enemies all around whose sole purpose is to steal our peace by destroying a gentle and tranquil spirit. Now they have all kinds of tricks and weapons to incite us to anger and agitation. But the truth is, we are our own worst enemies because they can do nothing without our cooperation. At the end of the day, our enemy cannot take our peace. Only we can give it away and forfeit it. Now here's the part of the sermon where we get practical and concrete. How do we surrender our peace, as we so often do? Well, first of all, we give place to anger. We allow it to fester within us. You know that loop that goes through your head? You're rehearsing what you'd like to say to that person. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, you do that, you catch yourself 30 seconds later and put a stop to it. But sometimes, it's a month later before you've caught yourself and put a stop to it. And that's pretty damaging. We complain. We react. We react quickly without thinking. We react harshly to an ill-spoken word when a gentle response we know turns away wrath. We surrender our peace by escalating a tense and volatile situation instead of doing what's necessary to de-escalate it. We should always be seeking to de-escalate things that are blowing up. We talk too much. We assume the worst. We fail to be sympathetic as St. Peter has admonished us in this reading. We judge. We also ruin our peace by arguing, by taking in, and now I'm going to get really practical, by taking in and digesting media which inflames and disturbs us, by engaging with people who really don't want the truth. They're just looking to pontificate, stir up trouble, fearmonger, spread falsehood, tear down. When you run into those kind of people, just walk away. Don't talk to them. Don't listen to them. Don't engage them. Just walk away. We engage in fruitless arguments on social media. We watch the news and let it get to us. You know, if you can't watch the news without it disturbing your inner peace, you know what to do. I've told you before. Turn it off. 
It's that simple. I had a two-hour conversation yesterday with someone from out of state, not from this parish, uh, who wanted to call and talk to me about some things. And he is disturbed, very disturbed, emotionally disturbed, psychologically disturbed, spiritually disturbed. He's disturbed by a lot of stupidity being propagated by fellow believers. That's the truth of it. Well, my advice to him, and if I may say so, it was quite profound advice. <laughs> Stop listening. Turn it off. It was a two-hour conversation. Just stop listening. This advice was initially met with a wave of the hand, as you might imagine. But eventually, after two hours, I think he saw the wisdom in it. Instead of blogs and posts, try reading your Bible. The Fathers, a good book of poetry, tend to your garden and pray. You know, if you're doing those things, I, I seriously, in all seriousness, I do not understand for the life of me how people have time to listen to three-hour podcasts. I just don't understand it. Maybe other people have like 40 hours in their day, and I only get 24. I don't know. But I don't know where they have the time to ingest all this media, and especially the media that ends up disturbing them. If you were to pray just a portion of the divine office alone, that would chew up a lot of your day. This person I spoke to yesterday, actually, who is an amazing person, I, I think very likely that he is called at some point to answer the stupidity that is troubling him, and I mean answer it in an official capacity at some point. But he's not going to be able to respond to it fruitfully if it destroys his peace or his faith, which it is capable of doing. And he doesn't need to be ingesting it anyway in order to fulfill his calling and defend the truth. The same way, same thing goes for our society and our culture. We don't do any good for our society by allowing its demise to depress us by ingesting the narrative, you know, that the world tries to spin. The narrative of the faithless or all the little chicken littles around the world. I've talked about this many times here in our community. Now, I'm not chastising anyone. In fact, I've been very encouraged because every time we've talked about this, everybody has said, yes, we agree, and has responded very well. But we still have to be vigilant about it. And I'll continue to remind us because it's easy to backslide. We need to keep our nose down, like the Benedictines. Clear our fields, plant, water, pray, hand on the plow, Believe and trust that Christ is reigning on high. We have won the day. There's no room in the Christian heart for despondency. Do not give them your peace. I've recommended a book to many of you by the very excellent Gabriel Bunge. It's called Dragon's Wine and Angel's Bread. It concerns the teaching of Evagrius Pontus. He's an expert on Evagrius, on anger and meekness. And it deals with the very theme of this message this morning. When I first read the book years ago, it, it actually took me a while to grasp the weight, the importance of inner peace and tranquility that he speaks of. I also really struggled to understand, to perceive Evagrius really profound anecdote to anger and the disturbance of peace. I was reading and reading and I kept on looking for some complex treatment plan. 
But the medicine that Evagrius prescribes is so simple, so very simple. And that's always how it is. That's always how it is. The answer is usually very simple. But we don't want simple. We want something radical, something complex. I don't know, there's some twisted psychology in that, behind that tendency in us. But it's often true. You should read the book, but I'll give you the punchline this morning. His answer to the disturbance of peace through anger and agitation is patience. Patience. How does that work? <laughs> well, if you ask for patience, as I've told you many times, you know what you get. You don't get patience, you get trouble. Lord, give me patience. All right, here's some trouble. Now be patient. He doesn't give you patience. He gives you trouble, and then you have to be patient in the midst of the trouble. The answer is to endure. It is to endure with faith, with love. It is endure the onslaught of anger that sometimes rises up in us, seeks to destroy our peace. St. Peter in his epistle, he has no illusions that our peace and tranquility is dependent on a lack of conflict either. If you read this whole section of his epistle, you will see that his admonition to peace and gentility is flanked, both at the beginning and the end, by a recognition that we are actually called to suffer at the hands of our enemies. I mean, this is the epistle of suffering, after all. His words about harmony and peace and love of life and good days that we read about this morning is in the epistle on suffering. We are being assaulted and attacked on every side, and yet the power of Christ's victory is to settle us in peace. Peace toward God, peace toward one another, in the midst of all that is swirling around us in the world. He says at the end, we are to sanctify the Lord Christ in our hearts. We are to maintain that peace and gentleness of spirit in the midst of a raging battle. That is our testimony. That is our victory. That is how we will win our neighbor. That is the way for those to walk in, those who desire to love life and see good days. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. This has been a production of the Orthodox West.